Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Bellerín, qué golazo. Magnífico. Gol. Qué golazo de Bellerín, gol del Arsenal. Gran gol de Bellerín, 1-0. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnar Blog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, thankfully, we're not having any microphone issues today. That's good. Mm, yeah, good start already. Mm, it's, it's, it makes my day when there's Meddling no microphone behind issues. the scenes. You wouldn't believe it. You're it, just two men talking, but the work that goes into that. I know. I know. The, the not piece the of content. string. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, the technology. The technology exactly. is what we're all about here. Mm. Um, so yeah, so how, how's it all going? This uh, interlol treating you well? It has treated me well. I'm back from Edinburgh, which is very exciting. Back in London, I've moved again. What? So, yeah, I know the nomadic existence continues, but I've moved to Highbury of all areas, and every day to get to the tube station, I have to walk past the old Highbury facade. It's really lovely, actually. That's pretty nice. Yeah, it's I mean you're only cool. about ten years too late or whatever, but. Sure, sure. I know, I'm a bit gutted about that. I mean, you know, I'm pretty near the Emirates too, so... Yeah, well, that makes it handy. Very handy, about 10 minutes walk. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really enjoying it. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm all right, actually, yeah. Yeah, nothing particularly strange or startling going on. Interlull, you know, boring, no football. There was football on in the bar I was in on Friday night. I was sitting with my back to the television. Ireland were playing Gibraltar. The and big I, one. Yeah, the big one. Uh... And I was uh, figuring, well, look, I won't bother. There was music on in the bar, but I figured as as soon as something happened in the game, people would cheer. They'll be like, yay, when a goal went in. But uh, practically nobody gave a shit. If anybody right. cheered, I didn't hear them. Turned around at one point, it was, oh, 1-0, we've, we've scored. And then a while later, I turned around, it was, was 3-0. I think it was because Robbie Keane scored. People don't like to cheer Robbie Keane too much, you know. No, that must be, I suppose, conflict that all Irish people feel quite deeply. Mm. Uh, when he scores, it's like, oh, my country has scored, but it's also this mallet-faced wanker. Yeah, who's going to do tumbles and rolls and six-gun salutes. And well, I don't know if he does that anymore. Maybe he doesn't have the suppleness in his limbs to, to do the cartwheels and somersaults. Surely he's getting too old for the cartwheel. You would think so. There must be another gymnastic manoeuvre that he could carry out to express his delight at scoring a goal that, that isn't quite so risky because when you get to his age, you know, could slip a disc, old I mean, hip I'm come still, out of place. I'm still terrified when our players do the knee slide, to be honest with you. Yeah. Who did one? I remember someone doing one and then they just stopped. It was like they hit a wall. Uh, it could have been a dry pitch or something like that, but... I don't know, Alexis favours a, a knee slide, but I'm sure, I, was it Patrick Vieira who injured himself doing one? Somebody mm. did. I find goal celebrations in general a little bit annoying and ostentatious. Yeah. It's over the top. Like, if you score in the first minute of a game, you can't be running around and going berserk because it's the first minute of the game. There's 89 further minutes uh, in which the opposition might score. If you score in the last minute of the game... I fully understand going bananas and, and, you know, doing a pile-on and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's a pile-on, rather than making, like, you're an electricity tower, uh, I should point out. <laughs> that but, could be an iconic celebration. Peter Crouch could adopt that, yeah, the pile-on. Yeah, the electric celebration. But, you know, in general, I, I, think, I think goal celebrations should be restricted 
to a good slap on the back and perhaps a handshake from one or two senior members of your team until the 70th let's, minute of the game. And let's not forget a, a handshake perhaps with the referee as well, for, just before the restart. <laughs> what about what did you used to make of the Thierry Henry kind of non-celebration? He took a lot of stick for that, didn't he? Um, yeah, when he'd score and just kind of do that... Shrug it off. Look what I did face. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I Were you on board with that? Yeah, for some of the goals, I think there was one against Wigan, wasn't there? That was a brilliant free kick where where uh, there was some hassle over whether he could take the free kick quickly and uh, he was made take it again. He curled it in the top corner and then he just he just turned around to the referee and went, huh, that all right? Is that all right? I mean, I think, you know, there, there's certainly a touch of um, touch of arrogance to, to those kind of things, isn't there? The whole, well, I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered by this at all. Nonchalance. Yeah, so. I mean, there's yeah, if only there was a French word for that that we could apply <laughs> to Thierry Henry. But, you know, yeah, I mean, look, I can see it in some respects. But but then you get some people, and, I, you know, as critical as I am of celebrations, some people just, you know, this idea that you can't celebrate a goal at all, like Anelka. Remember when uh, he got to the period of his career where scoring was the worst thing that could possibly happen to him? It's like, he was oh, devastated by every goal. They're looking at me now. Oh, this is fucking shit. Why do I do that for? Well, that's probably tied into the whole don't celebrate against your former club thing because by then he <laughs> played for every team, hadn't it? That's very true. That's very true. Um, um, which yeah. is ridiculous in itself. What about choreographed celebrations? I always think back to that Chelsea one. Do you remember the sort of Di Matteo slide where he had all the other team like posed around him it was mm. fairly horrific yeah so those cool. those are bad i mean i think that was taken to new levels by was it was a, a, an icelandic amateur team or a swedish team and they do like whole routines it was like watching mime artists do stuff like mm. if one would pretend to be a dead fish and then he'd like try and hook him in and he'd be flopping around and stuff like that i mean those people frankly should be excommunicated from the world of football forever <laughs> there's no there's no call for that at all the old no. dancing ones I was never big into the dancing ones either no you'd never enjoyed Ibuwe and Adebayo getting their groove on no do you remember the dance that Henri and Adebayo used to do the sort of weird like hip to hip yeah shimmy that was strange that was like so oh god it was so <laughs> bad because it was like Adebayo really wanting to be Thierry Henry's friend as much yeah. as it was like, I'll do whatever you want. What a fall from grace that he eventually ended up wanting to be Tim Sherwood's friend. Yeah. With the old <laughs> salute celebration. Yeah, um, well, there you go. So that's, There you go. So that celebration's covered, I think. Yeah. But I, I watched some football as well. Did you I watch watched, England? I did. I watched England against San Marino, the, the other big one. Yeah, that was that was the, the, the fixture of the weekend, for sure. Um, that was interesting. Arsenal involvement. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain started on the right-hand side, uh, got an assist, played, I thought, played quite well. I mean, you know, obviously they're weird games. They're really strange matches, these. Um, but he's the kind of player you want in a situation like that because he's someone who will run with the ball and make things happen against a, a packed defence. I thought he did pretty well. And then Theo Walcott came on for him off the bench and scored twice. That's good. I mean, it is yeah. good on a very basic level. Yeah, he should have had a hat-trick, actually. Um, he was played through one-on-one -on -one and then sort of took on a shot with the outside of his right foot when he, he could have finished it quite simply with his 
with his left. King carried but, away with himself after two goals. He thought, all oh, my problems are, are fixed. I can finish again. I can finish with a plomb with, without even thinking about it. It's instinctive. I can just do it. Oh, fuck, it's gone wide. No, yeah. He is still Theo Walcott. But he, uh, yeah, two nice finishes. And he played from the right-hand side, actually. I mean, I know it's sort of difficult to read too much into a fixture like this, but... It, um, could we not read into it that perhaps the right-hand side is his best position, given that he's played most of his career there and scored most of his goals from there. I mean, I, is that being outrageous? I don't think so. I mean, the thing is about playing there is that you do you are afforded quite a lot of opportunities, and you're, he's at his best when he's running onto the ball, and he's actually able to do that more easily from that area, I think. Mm. He's also... he's not He doesn't have to confront the whole play with his back-to-goal issue, which is still new to him. And... But I suppose the, the issue with the right-hand side is that Arsene doesn't necessarily seem to trust him out there anymore. No, no. Um, and interesting, perhaps, that Oxlade-Chamberlain was was chosen ahead of him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Um, and then, uh, after the game, obviously, Roy Hodgson solemnly announced the death of Danny Welbeck. Yes, can we just, for a moment, uh, just, just take a minute's silence here for Danny Welbeck. Poor Danny. We barely knew him. We barely knew him. Um, poor Danny. Poor Danny boy. Now, that is a bit interesting, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> when the... I mean, have, we haven't spoken since the old deadline day and then the uh, subsequent announcement about no, I mean, Dan the Man. Our, our, worst, our worst fears came true in the sense that we didn't sign anyone. Mm-hmm. It's not unexpected. Suspected, yeah. Sorry, I'm just getting a bit emotional here with the old Danny boy in the background. Poor, poor Danny. Um, yeah, well, look, uh, what can you say? What can you say? How, 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 this is a question, and it's from me, and it's not from one of the, the listeners. Here but but um, at what point do you think they became fully aware of the problem that Danny Welbeck has, in the sense that they, they said he was responding to a certain extent um, to to rehabilitation, uh, but when he would train or when he would uh, try and run, it would it would flare up again or, or he'd feel the pain in his knee. I mean, do you think there was perhaps a breakdown? I mean, because we, we spoke a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, about whether or not the lone move of, of Chuba Akpom was a, an indicator of, of Danny Welbeck's fitness and it seemed to me that that would be a reasonable assumption to make, that you don't let uh, a striker go out on loan if you think the guy's going to be out for, for six months. So, I mean, what I'm asking is, do you think that was a fairly recent uh, development in the the saga of, of uh, Danny Welbeck, RIP? I think so, because transfer deadline day was Tuesday, I think, last week, but I'm pretty sure there were some quotes from the previous Thursday from Arsene Wenger talking about uh, Welbeck being back in training and available for selection after the international break. Yeah. Now, unless that was a big game of bluff. But what's the you know, bluff? Well, the bluff is our striker, you know, we have all our strikers. So, uh, you know, I guess it's that thing of being preventative against someone raising all the prices on deadline day, you know, that thing of not don't, wanting to appear desperate. <laughs> but don't people do that anyway? When you're shopping on deadline day, they're like, well, you know, 
the price is the price is higher. We can't buy a replacement, so for you to get whoever you want, you're going to have to pay more anyway. So it was yeah. just like trying to to stop them going. Well, the price is high because it's deadline day, and we know that Danny Welbeck is injured. So uh, I'd give us another few million. Fair point. I mean, the thing is, it's not as if no one knew we were on the market for a striker anyway. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I I think it must have come quite late in the day, given those quotes. I don't think Arsenega would sort of lie outright about that in such a public fashion. If he knew, he'd just be a bit vaguer and you know more mysterious about mm. it all. Yeah, he does um, have he does have some uh, some previous for that. In fairness, yeah, certainly. Um, so I guess it it came quite late. I mean, I suppose the the warning sign should have been when Joel Campbell stayed. You know. Mm. Mm. Um, but uh, it's a huge blow. Like, I, I, there's always this thing when a player's injured that uh, you know sometimes their abilities are slightly over exaggerated. I actually, I actually committed the mega jinx of publishing a column on the day his injury was announced, um, saying that I was you know talking about his return and how potentially he could combine some of the better <laughs> attributes of Walcott and Giroud. Literally, I think it was two hours before. Um, you know, talking about his prospects for getting into the team. Right. And then, uh, so if you're looking for someone to blame, I, I mean, it is actually us. We I, we talked about how robust Welbeck was when he first came over uh, just prior to his first injury. I don't yeah, remember that. I do, I do. There is a stat floating around that he's now spent more days injured at Arsenal than he did in his entire time at Manchester United. So, um, you know, your thanks are, are appreciated. Everyone. Yes. Uh, but, and uh, Danny, you know, I hope you're enjoying the time off on us. I'm sure he's having a lovely old time. Probably got a PS4 sitting yeah. back, chilling out. I uh, <laughs> waiting for Fallout 4 to be released. Aren't we all? Yes. But I, the, um, yeah, it's a it's a real kicker, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty mm. grim. Mm. It is. It is a bit grim, and the consequences obviously are that we're a bit more reliant on the players that we already have. Um, I mean, do you think that in in the the clamor for signings, some of some of the good points about us have been have been overlooked because people say they're critical of Giroud, for example. Mm-hmm. But he's essentially a 20-goal-a-season striker if he's fit, which isn't yeah. bad. It's not the worst. We all wanted better. But, you know, that that's still not bad. There's I Alexis till we get that 50-goal-a-season striker. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I think the biggest problem with our team at the moment is that we're not playing very well. Uh, yeah. It's that simple, isn't it? it? It could well be. It could well be. I mean, was it a good-timed international break from from yes. our point of view, do you think? I would say yes. Yeah. I would say that it, it certainly won't have hurt us. We, It's not like we were in a great rhythm. It's not like we had any real momentum to lose. Um, so I, I think it probably is a good thing. And actually, you know, our start hasn't been disastrous in terms of points accumulated. It's just been a bit flat and a bit average but yeah I, I think I think a signing would have helped but having not made one we just have to hope that the team begin to click because if they play like they did uh, at the back end of last season you know they, they can still have a great year mm-hmm. there's potential the there, there alright there is potential there but of course every drop point or every goal that's not scored or every chance that's missed comes down to to not making signings. It was interesting on the uh, Arscast regular on mm. Friday where uh, in the absence of, of the world-class forward, um, James from uh, North Bank Lower was was seemingly indicating that he thought signing a midfielder might be 
the thing that would make us uh, that could make us champions. I heard that. Yeah. Mm. I heard that. Would, you yeah, that? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Like, I, you know, people talk about Schneiderlin, for example, and he's a good player, but I'm not sure Schneiderlin is the difference between winning the title and not winning the title. I think it comes down to to goals. It really does. And the need to score more goals. And maybe if you've got an, another midfielder, you've got more of a defensive platform and you don't let in as many. But I think we can, in the second half of last season, we didn't concede a huge amount of goals. We only conceded... 12 or 13 in 19 games, something like that. So the defensive record was pretty good. Um, but but overall, I think that the issue was was about scoring goals and and, uh, and trying to get more goals into this team. I think that's what the manager's outlook on the, the transfer window was. Um, but yeah, here we are. No money spent apart from Petr Cech. And um, for the first time, I don't know, since the 90s, is it, that Arsenal haven't signed an outfield player in a summer? It might be since 2003, when well, we brought we, in Jens Lehmann. But we also brought in Gail Clichy. Ah, Gail now he, Clichy. he was he was a he was a, a younger man, much younger, younger well, Gail then, Clichy. But you I know, mean, I think he played ten games or something in the league that season. So, if we're talking about the acquisition of young French recruits, let's not overlook your your friend of mine, Jeff. The Jeff, please. The Jeff. The Jeff. I think we may come back to look. Uh, you know, we may come to look back on this summer as the summer of Jeff. Yeah. Wow. We're all wearing Jeff in our hair. <laughs> and on the back of our shirts. For sure. Um, undoubtedly. But it, but isn't it in the absence of a signing, it's there for somebody like him, or dare we say it, Joel Campbell, who didn't get Joel out while he still Campbell. could. <laughs> get in while he can. That's what he's he got. Yeah. About. Now he's got to get in while he can because, Wait, you know, Joel. the opportunity is there. It's like Indiana Jones, roll under the closed slamming door of the Emirates. This is your chance. Mm, don't forget your hat. Don't forget your hat. Imagine if he played in a hat. I think that would help his chances. It would probably impede his heading of the ball. Yeah, but if he had a whip as well, come on. Yeah, that would be good. That would, be, would good. be good. And also if he could, you know, open the Ark of the Covenant in the middle of the game. And all I think the, he can. Uh, I think he can. Everyone like turns into powdery ghost skeleton things. That would be one way of dealing with uh, packed defence, wouldn't it? Because you know if they're camped in their in their uh, penalty area. Oh, quick arc of the covenant. Have that, you fuckers! And uh, all of a sudden, you're just wading through dust, um, setting them up on a plate for Theo Walcott to kick over the bar from six yards. Well, let's hope. Uh Joel's listening, because I think you've made his part of the first team very clear there. Excellent. Well, uh, what did you make of the comments this week from Matthew Debushi, mm. who, who said he was surprised and disappointed to be left out of the side for Hector Bellerin, and he considered leaving? Whew, yeah. That seems a bit, you know, a bit extreme. Well, could he be, yeah. firstly, could he be surprised and disappointed? I think he could be one or the other. I don't think he could be. I don't think he could be surprised. I think he's fair enough to be disappointed. I mean, I get that he wants to play. He's not being picked, but surprised? Don't don't see how he could be surprised. No, I think surprised of the two is the one that seems least likely. Mm. I'm trying to think of other circumstances where you'd be both simultaneously surprised and disappointed. Uh, it could be that you get a present from somebody mm. completely out of the blue. 
except it is one of those scratchy, itchy jumpers. You're like, oh, thanks a million for the present. This is a great surprise. And then you open it and you're like, oh, not this. Yeah. So that's one one circumstance. I wonder if on the day that Debussy made those quotes, if that exact eventuality had happened to him. Mm. Maybe the present was from Hector Bellerin. Just to rub salt in in the wounds, the scratchy wounds caused by the jumper. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, okay, right. Well, we accept that he's disappointed. We accept his disappointment, not so much his surprise. Um, But what about this quote where he said, well, I considered leaving. I mean, should should a senior pro not be more aware of the the way the game works, that he's got to fight against this this young Spanish up-and-comer who's come into the side and done very, very well indeed. I mean, should he not be more up for the fight? Is he too focused on Euro 2016? Well, I was What's going on? Say, what's going on, What's man? going on? Um, I was about to say, I think that that's got to have a massive, massive influence, hasn't it? Euro 2016 in his home country. He'll be desperate to be in that squad. Mm. He was in the team for uh, World Cup 2014. So, you know, he'll, he'll have an eye on that. Who's his, uh, uh, who's his competition? I don't know. Is Sanya still in contention? What about that other guy that we were going to sign? Is he a oh, guy? Oh, that guy. You know that fella? The one that they yeah. said we were going to sign and then he was in an Arsenal shirt and then we didn't? Oh, you don't mean the Ivorian chap? Well, I hope not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Serge Aurier. I hope oh, you, I hope. that guy. I thought he was French. Uh, no, place for Ivory Coast. Right. Well, that would I, explain that. There was another guy, um, a young right back mm. from Liga. I can't remember his name. Pierre I mean, they're, they're, something, I'd say. Pierre right back, yeah. Mm. Um, but anyway, I don't know. I've really sort of outed my... Pierre Ledois. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I think that must have been a factor, definitely, in, in Debussy pushing, maybe, for a, a move away. He must have been thinking, I've got... A, play first team football if I want to go to the Euros mm. um, I, I think that it's going to be hard for him to regain his place but it is a long season and opportunities will arise certainly in the cup competitions you'd imagine he'll be playing games and I still think there's the odd there's the odd match where Arsene will plump for him over Bellerin um, be it to defend against an aerial threat on the diagonals or just to rotate so I do think there'll be football up for grabs yeah he's just very unfortunate really isn't he like yeah he had some were it not for the injuries he would be very much established as a first choice right back this is this is the surprising and arbitrary nature of football you know yeah um he 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 has been really unlucky i think the the ankle injury obviously uh was a blow when he played again i think it was man city back in september but the other one I thought was still one of the nasty incidents of last season uh, when he got pushed into the into the advertising hoardings by Arnautovic, who I guess will be playing on uh, on Saturday, will he? Ah, you would think so, yeah. Mm. So a uh, chance for some revenge there against, against him. That one was really unlucky because he'd just come back into the side and, and was beginning to get a bit of fitness and... Uh, look, that's the way it goes, though. Sometimes the door opens and uh, a guy walks in and he steals the crown jewels and Hector Bellerin is now the queen. And he that's just the way it goes. The queen of the right flank. Mm. He wears the crown. Well, look, the most recent France squad 
had both Debushi and Sanya in it. So, you know, it seems they're still both very much in contention. Mm. So, uh, you know, if he can if he can keep fit, I mean, that's the issue for Debushi. Can he keep fit? Can, yeah. Well, then he, can he, he put around a game? Yeah, and he sort of said, I need to be playing regularly, you know, to get the, the, the rhythm and the flow and the form and all that kind of stuff. And he's, of course, he's playing against a new and improved Bakary Sanya. Oh, yeah. Got no, Sean. Yeah, Sean. Sean. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, he had one game for Arsenal like that and he was a, he was a disaster in it. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was at, at half-time desperately looking for his clip-on hair to try and regain his strength. Yeah. Samson-esque. But, uh, very much so. Bakary Samson. But I... I um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Sanya's sort of... It's sort of every time I see him play, I'm sort of surprised that he's still around. He disappeared to such an extent last season. I kind of find it remarkable that he's. He seems to be in the Man City team a bit more now this yeah, season. Yeah. I don't know whether yeah, that's was was Zabaleta away uh, during the summer and is only coming back late or anything like that. Was that it? I don't know, but he does seem to have established himself somewhat. Yeah, because um, he did fall off the face of the earth briefly. But he's... that's a it's a it's quite a long fall. It is, but he had some sort of grappling hook and appears to be sort of climbing back over the face of the earth so well done Bakary apart from when you play us yeah obviously or in any game in which we like Man City to drop points which is every game yeah but apart from every game good luck yeah hope it goes well (laughs) all right I think we'll we've uh, talked a lot we have some questions yeah we'll take a break we'll do some questions after this Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. Now the time where we answer your questions. Sent to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at ArsBlog. A very simple question for you to start with today, James, comes from East Lower at East Lower. And this is a serious, serious question. How would you set up the team to counter the inevitable massed ranks of the Stoke defence? That is serious. I was expecting some sort of pun action. So was I. Yeah, I'm, I'm frankly shocked and dismayed. He's played a straight bat. Yeah. Um, the massed ranks of the Stoke defence. I mean, do you think that's what they'll do? I mean, Stoke have been they've been buying players who who perhaps are a little bit different from like the ogres, like Charlie Adam, for example. Yeah, they're like. I mean, the they still Galacticos. they still have him in there, you know, to 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 do some strangling and maiming and stamping and stuff like that. But they have actually bought some footballers. So, do you think they're they're moving towards a more footbally approach? Therefore, they Absolutely. might leave some space for us. I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, who did they buy? They bought um, Shakiri, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, once of Bayern Munich. Mm. Van Hinkle. They He's got married to PK as well. Yeah. And um, Ibrahim Afalai. Yeah. Is, was he not Barcelona contingent. Which one of them is wrecked? Oh, hang on. Did Charlie Adam and Afalai both get sent off? in their last league game. Yeah. So that means no Charlie Adam at the Emirates. I read, I thought I read that they were going to appeal. Um, I, I'm going to type into Google here, Charlie Adam appeal, but I suspect I might get a whole pile of websites looking to raise funds for him to fix his teeth. I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we funds, crowdfunding. Um, go go crown it. <laughs> so Ibrahim Afalai was... Uh, was banned for three games, but had it subsequently reduced to two on appeal. Mm. 
Charlie Adam, Adam Appeal uh, gets you a whole list of things. One of them is for an uh, for a stamp on Giroud. Um, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess we'll I think find Charlie out. Charlie Adam is suspended. Mm. Um, that'd be a shame, obviously, not to see him. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're a little bit more ambitious than they once were. However. They probably have watched some of our home games recently and thought, if we set up defensively well enough here, uh, we've got a chance of keeping a clean sheet because mm. we're not exactly firing on all cylinders. Well, ju- just apropos of, of that very slightly, Meanly at Arsenal Vision asks, a front line of Walcott, Alexis and Giroud looks to have a decent amount of goals in it. Are we not seeing more of this attack because it lacks control and possession? Uh, would you start them against Stoke? I, I had the very same question lined up. Oh. I think... Oh, great Sorry. minds. Steal your thunder. No, no, no. It's fine. Well, I'll get over it in time. Mm. Um, I'd be tempted. I'd be tempted. Do you think... Are we expecting Mesut Ozil to be available? Yeah, he played for Germany during the international break, so... Yeah, I mean, if he plays thing. again for Germany tonight, why wouldn't he be available Only because he missed our uh, last league game, didn't he? But that was a minor, minor thing. Mm. Um, was he sick? Was he or no? He had some kind of knee problem. That was that was this that was the story. Or pardon me. Or it was the fact that he was going to play a major role in Arsenal's oh, yeah. end of transfer window shenanigans machinations. That was according to um, what's the dude's name? Jake Humphreys or Jake Humphrey mm-hmm. on on BT Sports. So either something was going on, or that guy is talking out of his hoop. I don't know which. No, it's one of the two. Mm. Well, obviously, all the business we did on deadline today suggests that he was definitely a busy boy. Mm. Um, I think it might be interesting to see that front three together. Giroud and Walcott, when Walcott did used to be allowed to play on the right-hand side, used to have quite a good understanding, as far as I recall. Mm. Um, there's quite a good combination play between them. I was watching back um, some clips of that Newcastle 7-3 game recently where Walcott scored a hat-trick and Giroud actually didn't start the game but he came on in the last 20 minutes or so and the way they combined was pretty impressive and uh, I always I always recall them linking up very well on the pitch because they're kind of the antithesis of each other, aren't they? They're sort of yin and yang, you know? Um, Big and slow, small and fast. Is that what you're yeah. saying, essentially? Uh, I'm being reductive, but yes, that is what I'm saying. Okay. And... Throw Alexis in there, and you've got yourself a hell of a combination. I don't know. Have we ever seen that fielded before? Not many times, if so. No, no. Um, a bit like how Arsenal was very reluctant to play both Podolski and Walcott in the same team um, with a centre forward as well. I think he likes to have, you know, at least one of those wide players as someone who offers a bit more ball retention ability. Okay. Um, but I, I would, I'd definitely be up for giving it a go. Why not? Yeah. Maybe put... Uh, I mean, is, is there an argument that in some home games, this might be seen as heresy, but I'm just speculating. Do we need Francis Cochrane in every game? No. You think no? I think no. Because, you know, if you went with that front three, you could then have Ozil as your number 10. Maybe Ramsey and Cazorla in behind that. Would that be enough? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, you you might say that a game against Stoke, where they are quite a physical team, could be the sort of game where, where you need Coquelin at home. But maybe you could use Arteta at home in a game like this as well, where when you're dominating the ball or dominating possession, then you've got a bit more control over it. But I guess I guess we'll see on Saturday. 
we will see on Saturday. We'll mm. see on Saturday. What would you? Is there anything? Have you got any special plans? I mean, I was planning to play Danny Welbeck, so that's all gone out the window. Um, read my columns, but um, have you got anything up your sleeve? That well, you I, I was planning on playing Benzema and Cavani, but that's right. also yeah, gone sure. out the window. I mean, if if Joel Campbell can sort of unleash these mythical powers, mm. I'd consider giving him the nod. I, I'm I'm really tempted by the idea of using Alexis more as a centre forward. You know, for a period of games. Not just well, once look, or twice, but maybe give him six or seven games and see what happens. Well, Sam Belazka asked, should we play Alexis up front? And if so, could he be our Aguero? You know, the power, the pace, he's got the leap. You know, people talk about him being small, but look, he can leap higher than than any salmon. Any mm-hmm. salmon. Any salmon. Any salmon at all. If you were to you, go to a river today and pick any salmon, Alexis could leap higher than him. You show me a salmon who can jump higher than Alexis, and I'll show you one hell of a footballer. If if that salmon exists, we should be signing that salmon. Fucking right. And it's not Connor salmon, that's for sure. 100%. Um, so, you know, I think he's got all the skills to play uh, as a centre forward. It would change the way we play a little bit, obviously, than when we do with, with Giroud, because... Uh, there'd be less hold-up play, but I think you know you could you could work around that. You could bring players into play quite differently. Uh, he does like to. I think he's got the right combination between selfishness or wanting to make things happen himself, but 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 working hard to make things happen for others as well. If you look mm-hmm. at the the goal against Crystal Palace, that big Samany leap. Uh, and, and he was, he, you know, it just brought about the goal. Um, there was the one in the FA Cup final, a big salmon leap again, and the ball falls to Theo Walcott and he puts us 1-0 up in the in the FA Cup final. So, yeah, I would be inclined to give it a go because then you could use perhaps uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain uh, or, or Ozil on the left a little bit if you wanted. Um, you could bring Theo Walcott in a little bit if you wanted and you still then have someone like Giroud to come off the bench and give you that something very different uh, in the centre-forward position. A bit more power, a bit more physicality, if you need it, in a game where where things aren't quite going well. But do you remember when he first started playing Van Persie as a centre-forward, and everyone was like, well, I don't know about this. Uh, But it took him a little while to get into it. But once he started, after getting games under his belt, um, it worked out pretty well until he became a huge, massive cuntback. Um, yeah, arguably the same could be said of Thierry Henry, you know, another player who played all his football on mm. the flank really previously. So, yeah, I mean, uh, but I think there was a very conscious, deliberate decision to do that with Henry and Van Persie, to make them right. centre forwards. So whether or not the manager has the same inclination regarding Alexis, I, I don't know. But yeah, it, w- it would certainly be something that I'd be interested in seeing. I've certainly thought since day one that it... it it's an option, and I think Arsenal's considered it. I mean, if you think back to the start of last season, right at the top of the campaign, Alexis played as a centre-forward in the uh, Champions League qualifier in the home leg against Besiktas. Mm. He played there at Goodison Park, um, although it was a bit of a disaster, and he was withdrawn at half-time, having barely got a kick. But it, it seemed that he kind of fell into this role on the left-hand side, and it suited the balance of the team. But... You know, when we missed out on Suarez as the centre forward, Alexis was the the obvious alternative. He's yeah. a guy who's got very similar attributes, and it didn't. Suarez's size, much like Aguero, was never an issue in the Premier League. Uh, and I, 
I, I don't see why Alexis should be. I actually think he's more physical probably than either of those players. Yeah. So I'd be fascinated to see it. I'd be fascinated to see it. And I think it allows you to make room for the, the plethora of midfielders that we've got available. Yeah. I think it's, and it's something different as well. If what, we, if what we're trying at the moment with Giroud and Walcott isn't quite panning out, then maybe it's uh, it's worth a go. It certainly gets probably our our most effective finisher into a goal-scoring position on a regular basis. Mm. Okay, here's a question from uh, Scott Baker, at Scotty underscore Baker, who uh, he's a cyclist. He's not a baker at all. Come on, mate. That's fucking Jesus. You know, you think you've found somebody to make you a nice cake. and it, Anyway. Sick of it. He wants to know, could we make a habit of shooting more from outside the box? It might force defenders to come out to close down and open space behind for cute passes or, amazingly, to actually score goals like Alexis in the FA Cup final. What a goal that is, by the way. I saw it again the other day. Mm. Just a brilliant goal, that. Um, should we shoot more from outside the box? I mean, that's kind of an age-old Arsenal debate, isn't it? That's been going on for about... 15 years, as far as I can recall. Wasn't there a moment in the Liverpool game when Coquelin picked the ball up about 50 yards from goal and there were people going, shoot! Yeah. There was a terrible time, probably around 10 years ago at the Emirates, where that was sort of all you heard at any point. (laughs) It was infuriating. Um, I think, and I think the team and Arsene sort of almost willfully ignored it. I think they were like, no, we're going to be patient. It became this sort of strange standoff between the fans and players but um, could we shoot more maybe we've got players who could be a threat from range Alexis is one I always feel like Aaron Ramsey is potentially another you know he's a guy with serious shooting ability mm. Santi Cazorla should be but as we know when he when he tries to take a shot on his his powers desert him what has happened to Santi this is a guy you see the videos of him he can trap the ball. He can kick a ball up and down a gym at Montreal. You know, he, the ball is going over his head and he just sticks his foot up and he controls it and he just kicks it back. He can do things with a football that most people can't do with a football. Mm. He can do it. So wh- why is it that when he shoots nowadays, it's so bad? Feeble. Yeah. yeah. There was one, I mean, he got one on target against Newcastle. Um, set up by Aaron Ramsey, I think it was a left-footed shot, pretty much straight at the goalkeeper. So that was that was quite good. But um, uh, in general, his shooting is is poor. No idea. His radar's definitely uh, definitely off. Mm. Um, it's funny because in his first season, I remember him scoring a couple of crackers from range. Like, do you remember the goal at West Ham off his left foot? Mm. That was a great strike. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he's, that seems to have deserted him entirely. I mean, I guess the problem is that someone like Meza Erzul, who's in the number ten role, who that's naturally where you're going to get that opportunity. I think is is not someone who favours the shot from range, you know. So maybe we're not going to be pulling the trigger in, in those kinds of areas. But he's been um, talking over the last few days or the last couple of weeks about how he needs to be a bit more selfish in front of goal, even though he's he's a provider. Yeah. Yeah, I do think he should be aiming to contribute double figures this season. I'm not necessarily sure that they'll get there, but mm. I think that's a nice aim for him. Mm. Um, I think it's a fine line, though, isn't it? I mean, you don't want to be like Andros Townsend, just sort of firing off countless shots you know, into the ether. Mm. Uh, there is something to be said for patient approach play, but I guess when you're playing against teams who sit deep, they'd probably rather you were patient, wouldn't they? They'd probably rather that you sort of went back and forth because they can sort of shuffle across. Yeah. 
I mean, there's the, the Andros Townsend side of things, but there's also the Lampard side of things well, where, you know, it. if you do have a crack, chances are uh, from time to time it's going to cannon off somebody's knee or shin and, and go in. Mm. You know, it creates you don't win danger. the lottery unless you have a shot from distance. Correct. I think Correct. That's the saying. Yeah. So the um, answer to that one is sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Definitive again. Um, okay, this one comes from Mario, not of Nintendo fame. I saw on Saturday evening, um, walking through Dublin city centre, stag do, where many of the gentlemen in question were dressed up as either Mario or Luigi. Right. There was one guy dressed up as Wario, which is fucking excellent, because he was always my favourite in Mario Kart. I like Wario. Yeah, I like the evil cackle when you get somebody with the banana or the the shell. Sure, sure. I like it. But uh, the the guy who was obviously getting married, who was absolutely shit-faced drunk, like unbelievably shit-faced drunk, and this was at, I would say, half past seven, Mm -hmm. was dressed as uh, the princess. That's that's so interesting, because I... I don't know if you recall, but I went on a stag do to Mallorca not mm. long ago, and the stag on that was also dressed as Princess Peach. Did you make him do that? Or I mean, did I did volunteer. No, no, no. The 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 group elected because we went go karting. Right. You see, ah. and it was decided that that would be an appropriate attire. Mm. I'd say not because I'm telling you now what this dress was made of was highly flammable. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, his safety was not the primary concern, it seems, no. among the group. No, and like, it didn't appear to be the the concern of the group that he was with because they were all down the road. And when I came back up, he was uh, arm in arm with this toothless man. Uh, uh, Charlie Adam? <laughs> no, not quite, but uh, worse, in fact, than Charlie Adam, who was yeah. who was who had his arms around his shoulder with a can of... Touch gold or something like that, and he was just saying, "Doesn't matter, man. Dublin won today, and that's all that matters." And your man was like, hey. "So he was a Jamaican of some description." <laughs> <it sounds> like. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. So and did I, he reunite with the group, or did you just? I, I've got no idea. I, I kept going um, because I, I, I felt that his night was going to a dark place that I didn't necessarily want to be. I mean, it could have been worse. Be he could have been, could have been dressed as a, a giant mushroom, I suppose. Mm. Or, I'm not sure uh, that was worse. That would have been better. He would have had some protection from this guy's wandering fingers. That's true. all I'm saying. <laughs> it's cold out there. Anyway, we were going to getting on to Mario's question. Ma- oh, yeah, right. Um, a bit of a tangent there, sorry. Yeah, sorry, Mario. Um, he asks, very straightforward, actually, can Joel Campbell play a serious role until January? I'm reluctant to say yes. Sure, I thought you might be. <laughs> but I'm also reluctant to say no. Ah, the Sim- Coquelin effect. The Coquelin effect. Simply because you just don't know these days. Everything we thought we knew has been turned upside down by Francis Coquelin. It's as simple as that. The effect that he's had on football opinion is profound. Because before you could say, well... Uh, he's the fifth choice central midfielder and we've loaned him out to Charlton and we've just extended his loan. That's pretty much it for him. Mm-hmm. Game over, done and dusted. We'll never see him or his like again. And then 
all the injuries happen and he comes in and maybe he got like a magic potion or something. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But he's turned life as we know it upside down. So you can't ever be definitive about what a player might or might not do. You can be almost sure that they're not going to do what you'd like them to do or have the effect that you'd like them to have. I think there's there's a, a tendency in general to be far too definitive about players um, and, and not necessarily accepting the fluctuations of form and, and various things that can impact on the way that they play. Um, so to answer the question, he might get a few goals, particularly if he plays in Capital One Cup or FA Cup or something like that. He might but I wouldn't put a huge amount of money on it. Okay. Would you... Do you think... God. Do you think he'll score a Premier League goal? I think he might score a Premier League goal in the Francis Jeffers sense. Okay. Remember that one when Robert Perez could have scored and he went, oh, look, there's Francis standing right beside me, mournful. This move hasn't really worked out for anyone. Been injured a lot, you know. Oh, could get another not goal. Enough to play for Arsenal. Yeah. No. Look, here you go, Franny, and Franny tapped it in from three yards out, and it was a nice thing for Robert to do because he's he seems to be a nice guy. But I suspect it could be the icing on the cake kind of a goal, the fourth sure. in a four-one win, or the Rosicky goal. You mean the Rosicky goal? Yeah. As it was um, once known. As it was, yeah. He's before become, he completely fell off the... <laughs> he's fallen off that face of the earth, i tell you what. Just as Bakri Sanya was crawling back over the edge, Rosicki tumbled in the other direction. Maybe Thomas needs to cut all his hair off. That seems to have worked for, for Bakri Sanya. They do have Maybe. the same kind of hair in the sense that it hangs straight down. So maybe that's that what Thomas Rosicki needs to do. Skinhead Rosicki, and we'll, we'll see some goals. Okay, mm. I'll be up for that. Um, Campbell, yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Indiana Campbell. I I mean, he'll play in the Carling Cup, won't he? He'll get a game, you'd think, here or there. Mm. But I don't think, I don't see him making serious inroads. I think it's more likely that uh, Alexis will be moved inside than Campbell would find himself. Yeah, but I mean, level. he's going to get some time on the bench now, isn't he? Simply because we don't have, um, we don't have Welbeck. I guess so. Speaking of which, Gunnar Adam... At Gunnar Adam, yeah, a man who uh, has complained vigorously in the past that his questions have been ignored. Oh, really? Yeah, he has, yeah. He's submitted questions every week. He's asked a question, which I'm now going to ignore. Um, <laughs> no, he says, <laughs> have, uh, have you changed your minds on where you think we'll finish after Welbeck's injury and no signings? Had you I made up your mind? I don't know. Did we say? I no. can't remember what, what we said. Did we ever tot up the how much are we going to spend thing? I can't remember what we said. Remember, we did this at some oh, point during the summer, and we said, how gosh. much are we going to spend, and how how much will be our the net spend? Um, Don't you normally write this down? I probably did write it down, but then yeah. just fucked all the pieces of paper out. Someone will remember, won't they? Someone listening. Someone will. So if you remember what it was we said, I mean, what is... I can't even figure out how much we have spent 
We spent 10 million. Is 10 that million quid. 11 quid? And then we got a million and a half for Podolsky, I think. Did we sell anyone else? Get no. any money for anyone else? I don't think so. We we sold, um, we let DRB go, and then there was a lot of loans. Mm, okay. So, we're, what, we're looking at about eight and a half million? And let's eight not forget, million? Rio Miyachi went as well. Tough times. Tells you, I'm still, I'm still struggling with that one, James. I know. I mean, after the whole Danny Boy thing, now I've hit you with the Rio. Yeah. I, I don't know how you're going to I don't. I don't have any Duran Duran lined up here to play, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> so, um, um, what was I talking about? Uh, the question, uh, yeah. where will we finish? Well, I kind of thought we'd be second before the start of the season. Um, and I, I guess I still think that, to be honest. I still think that's a possibility. Right. I don't... Yeah, I'm not convinced. We'll, I'm not convinced we'll we'll win the thing, especially with the start. I put to be honest, I expected Chelsea to be better and City to be worse, but I still think we we might be the second best team mm. in this league. What do you think? I don't know yet. I I can't make any sense of it. You know. Um, yeah, that's reasonable. That's fair. I I think we're capable of of doing a lot better than we're doing at the moment. Obviously, uh, I think last season proved that. The second half of last season proved that. Um, the players that we have are are capable of scoring goals, which they're not doing at the moment. So, you know, I, I'm not I'm not particularly um, miserable about the players that we have. I would have obviously liked us to sign somebody else to uh, to to boost the squad, but um, here we are. So I don't know. I th- I kind of thought probably a, a reasonable challenge was something we were capable of. Hmm. Um, maybe not right to the death. You know, as the season got right to the close, I thought we might fall away a little bit, uh, but not hugely. So I was sort of thinking third again would be probably where we were. So I don't, I don't see any particular reason to to change that at this point. So, no. so no, and I, you know, I would have liked Danny Welbeck to be fit. But, uh, you know, I think he would have added some depth and, and a bit of competition in the centre-forward position. And I would have been interested to see how he how he got on in his second season. You know, maybe he would have been settled in more more at home in, in London and at Arsenal. And, and he's a player that Arsene Wenger seemed to really like. You know, he, he used him a lot, lot didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he used him quite a lot. So the, the probability of him... Um, doing more this season I don't think that would have been unreasonable either so so that's maybe a bit of a blow but uh, overall yeah I think we'll uh, I think we'll do more or less what I expected even in his absence I'd be inclined to agree right you got one more uh yeah alright okay this one's interesting ish no it is interesting (laughs) alright give it the big hype yep um, this is from Simon Allenby, whose Twitter handle is at five off the T, and he asks, "Would you rather have had Marshall, Anthony Marshall, this is who Manchester United have signed for thirty nine million plus, or no one?" Um, I mean, would we have had to spend that money? Yeah, would you rather have paid the big money they did to have signed a forward of of dubious? Uh, if not dubious quality, dubious sort of readiness for the mm. Premier League, or just stick with what we've got? That's a really good question. On the one hand, it's not my fucking money, so, you know. Uh, well, that's a, yeah, that was my immediate thought. Yeah. yeah, spend it if you like. Uh, 
On the other hand, though, the, uh, this is a guy that's only played 90 minutes eight times in his career. And he's going for this ridiculous money. But then, again, we come back to this situation where uh, the market dictates the prices. Although, perhaps, there's an element of being really shit in the market that also dictates the prices. Some of the stories going around about how Monaco um, got United to double and triple their offer, you know, by the, by the deadline, um, suggests that perhaps they're not that strong in the old negotiating thing. Yeah, from from what I was told, this guy was available for quite a lot less than that uh, mm. in the window. There have been um, some good videos by uh, Fitba Vatba. He's done a couple uh, yeah. of good videos on the Edward Woodward thing. Um, they're, they're very funny, so you should check those out. So I think probably his, you know, being really shit at making transfers... Uh, thing could could have played a part. As for whether we should have bought a guy who's played eight games, and I don't know, I don't know really. Uh, would I have rather had him than nobody? Sure. Why not? Why not? A young French guy coming to the club under Arsene Wenger's tutelage, it might well have worked out. But at that yeah. money, you know, I don't know. It's bananas. He's got previous. He's got previous. Uh, yeah, I mean, Arsene was quite clear that he he thought the money was excessive mm. uh, made some quotes didn't he to French TV I think after the deadline passed yeah uh, however as a fan do United fans care how much he cost I don't know it's not ideal and it's difficult to present that as a kind of strategic purchase you know it it felt panicked but sometimes those those kind of buys can work out alright you know yeah yeah. If, if, it, if it pans out, I don't know. We, time will tell. I mean, it's difficult for us to talk about him as a player because no one's seen too much of him. Yeah, I think if he had been dressed like the princess from the Mario games, then yes, mm. I would be absolutely all for it. Imagine his unveiling. Mm. Be incredible. Arson dressed as Bowser or something. Yeah, better than uh, Robin Van Persie's stripy trousers. I think most things are, yeah. to be honest. Remember that? He tried to play we with Manuel Almunia as Willie. The clues were, the clues were there all along. <laughs> they certainly were. Okay, we've like got with Adebayor in the dancing. We should have known. We should have known. Oh, what what was wrong with us? We just wanted to believe so much. That's all. I know. You know, we try and see the good in everyone. Fools. Fools. We were fools. All right. This is the final question. This comes from James at James of Walden. I don't know no. if Walden is a Not city, sure a town, is, but yeah. But he's off there, right. uh, and he wants to know. He wants to know, can James improve his bye-bye at the end of the podcast? Needs some work, he says. What? Does he specify what's wrong with it? No, or? no. But but in the interest of figuring that out, I, I put together a little compilation of some of the bye-byes. Okay. So we can hear whether or not you need you need some work or or some variety could be needed. So here okay. we go. Here's, here's a few seconds of it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye, everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye. Cheerio. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye 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 bye. Bye. So there you go. Wow. I I I think there's sufficient variety in there. 
I think there's more variety that because I'll be honest with you, I've been going for consistency. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been making a horrible mess of it because there's. I think I, I think normally I sort of go for like a bye bye. That's that's the most common one. It is. It is. It's good. It's good. Yeah, it's good. But I mean, there's a, it, there are yeah, deviations. There are. I mean, were you was this going to be your trademark, like your catchphrase almost? Yeah, I, you bye know, bye. like Gar- Gareth Bale trademarked that stupid heart finger gesture thing. Yeah, because I yeah. I'm in copyright talks about bye bye. So I'm going to get it on a t-shirt. Everything key rings. I'm going. It's going to be. Uh, like a, a merchandising a, sensation. Absolutely, yeah. A ringtone. Bye bye. The crazy bye bye. The crazy frog bye bye remix. Bye 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 bye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've I've really been trying to sort of get that. I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm a little bit gutted actually that he's not enjoying it. Why? Right. Yeah, maybe um, maybe he maybe he wants the consistency. Maybe that's what he's looking for. Maybe but, he's furious about the ones that are sort of more exuberant. Or yeah, excited. exactly. Like the cheers, bye. You know, yeah, he yeah, wants yeah. he wants the just the the dead set bye bye. That's what bye he bye. wants. That's the classic. That's the old classic, isn't it? That's yeah. the one that like when people tune in, that's what they're hoping for at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they probably skip right to the very end of the podcast to hear that bit first. It's certainly why they keep listening. Yeah, all this crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I, uh, and you know, I, I try and give the people what they want. What can I say? Yeah. Well, look, it's back to the drawing board a bit here. And I think you, as a classically trained actor, mm. you, you probably need to go and get a few more lessons from from Sir Lawrence Olivier or one of those guys. Yeah. Might Just be some... a little difficult, actually. Him. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a tricky one to pin down. But mm. there are others, you know, other great actors, Shia LaBeouf. Well, he would be he would be the master, I think. You know, a, a weekend at a commune, some kind of workshop with Shia LaBeouf. I, I suspect that would change your outlook on your bye-byes forever. So I'm going to have to think about this now. When we actually do get to the end of this podcast... It's coming very soon. Which can't be far away. No, it's imminent, imminent. Uh, the pressure's really on, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, what what... It's like that... There's a great bit in one of the Tintin comics. I don't know if you ever read those. They're great. Sure. But uh, Captain Haddock has been kept, they've been captured and they're on a ship somewhere by these baddies. And the guy wants to fuck with Captain Haddock's head. And he he says to him, do you sleep with your beard under or over the sheet? And he's like, under? No. Over? No. That doesn't work. And then he realizes that he's thinking about it just too much. He doesn't sleep with his beard in any particular way. He just takes it as it comes. He's like, fuck this. Doesn't know what, doesn't actually say that, but no, there's no. something like 10,000 bashy bazooks or, you know, the thundering typhoons and all that kind of stuff. But he realized that he was just overthinking it. And now here we are towards the end of this podcast. And I bet you're like, your, your nerves must be shot. They, they really are. It's all good. It's all happening inside now. Mm. Okay. Oh, let's give it a whirl, shall we? We will. Okay, we'll be back with an Arscast Extra next Monday discussing whatever happens against Stoke and the Strangley, Charlie Adam, or not. Uh, Arscast will be here on Friday looking ahead to that game. So until the next one, folks, take it easy. And in the words of J.M. Barry, never say goodbye because goodbye means going away and going away means forgetting. Bye-bye. Oh, Danny boy. <laughs> <laughs>